Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I got to be honest, like, I know I'm doing a lot of these fantastics, so I start to try to be observant towards like record day they've really become a, quite a quite a so it's something that I, that I so i try to be a little observant about i know what episode we're gonna drop so yesterday i'm looking around i'm like man I, we're recording tomorrow i need to find something to use for a fantastic so i'm in this gas station i'm not gonna say the gas station because i don't want to bring down the gas station oh. but it's one of those gas stations that has the bathroom outside okay you know what i mean so yeah. that it's it's always it's, trouble it's a we'll just go with lion mart it's okay. not lion mart <laughs> but think of that that's the kind of place you are okay? Okay. okay. Gas station outside. So I'm looking around and I found I find my topic. It's this kid in a Sex Pistols t-shirt. Okay. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can use this because yeah. the artist that we're talking about tomorrow, it's not the Sex Pistols, but it'll make sense. It'll, so yeah. I'm just going to watch this kid. So I'm going to act like I'm buying donuts. <laughs> so I'm walking around. So he goes to the restroom, you know, whatever. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. I'm waiting on this kid to come out of the bathroom. I was going to say, you didn't like no, 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 follow no, him. No, but he grabs the key, you know, the key yep. on the stick. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we, we kind of have an idea where this is going. So he comes back, key on the stick. And I'm like, okay, please give me something to work with. With. So he hands the key on the stick to the guy behind the the register, and I'm like, well, this isn't much. And then he walks over to the chicken biscuits, and I'm like, this is going somewhere. <laughs> this is going somewhere. So gets the biscuits, whatever, pulls down to the little seat, starts eating, starts eating the chicken biscuits. Okay. So I'm thinking to myself, okay. at some point, you had to have cleaned your hands sure but even so you still picked up the stick mm, and you uh, went from bathroom mm, stick mm, to chicken biscuit oh and that's pretty punk rock to your mouth it to, is pretty that's pretty punk, punk rock, rock. Yeah. so i feel like the artist that we're talking about today although super punk rock would still find a way to wash his hands because yeah. he feels like a clean punk rocker to he me kinda does. he's he, the punk rocker next door he's the punk ro- oh that's good yeah, yeah he's the showered punk rocker yeah. <laughs> took time to fix his hair yeah he smells nice he does Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably he may after act, the show. Yeah, after the show. Yeah, that's good. He's like, I'm gonna be a minute before I come to sign autographs because yeah. I'm gonna freshen up. Yeah, I'm not wearing a shirt. Yeah, ever, no, ever, but, never. But I'm at least gonna shower off and, and put on some deodorant. So yeah. tell me, we're talking about today, Rob. Ladies, and thanks and- to that kid who let me watch you <laughs> with bathroom <laughs> stick, chicken biscuit hand. Oh, okay, yeah. Today we're talking about Billy Idol and his classic song "White Wedding." Nailed it. Thank I, you for- I gotta go ahead and warn you. <laughs> You're going to be hearing a lot of Billy Idol from me today. Me and Rob hung out a little bit before we started, and Rob has been Billy Idol all morning. Man, dig me back home, man. It's been all that. (laughs) Yeah, so get ready for lots of that. Uh, It's not actually Billy Idol in studio with us. It is just me, uh, but I just like (laughs) to do it. We do, however, at the end of the episode, have a special guest, Billy Idol's bass player who played on this song. Uh, from 81 to 83 or 84, toured with Billy, played on the records. Uh, we have Phil Fight with us coming up at the end of the show. Special so, treat. Yeah, Stick absolutely. around, you're going to love it. He's a great guy. Cool guy. These these New York Phils, they really like us, oh, it man. turns out. It's so cool. We had a good time. We had a good time with Phil Fight, so stick around at the end of the episode. We'll be talking to Phil. Also want to mention, before we play the before we play the song today, I just want to say we've gained a lot of new listeners over the last few weeks, and we're really so thankful for all of you. Uh, just make sure you're following us on social media so you can keep up with what's going on. Hit us on Instagram and Twitter at Great Song 
Long Pod, and check out the Facebook group. I know Facebook is maybe not the coolest thing in the world, um, but we have a lot of fun on the Facebook group. It's called Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. You can just go to facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod, or you can search for Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. Come join the fun. Uh, we have a lot of good conversation over there. We do a weekly uh, uh, episode hint thread where I give out some clues and people guess what song we're talking about and just just fun conversations. People post great music memes and all that kind of stuff. So if you like if you like the memes, just it, come on it's in. It's a good group of guys and girls. It is. It is. Guys and gals. That's out. right. All right, let's get right into it. This is White Wedding by Billy Idol. This is VH1 Punk. the disappointing start again we'll hit one of the good ones don't worry we'll get a big start again yeah uh so uh billy idol white wedding from the 1982 album billy idol the eponymous album uh the self-titled album good vocab word thank you uh written by billy idol it went to number 10 on the bubbling under the hot 100 chart upon release which is like um these these are the songs that are about to crack the Hot 100, which is the chart that sort of amalgamates all the other charts. Uh, so it didn't quite do that, uh, but then it hit number 36 on a re-release after being reissued. So uh, in in like 1983. So I don't know if it just didn't quite get off the ground the first time, but there's couple couple spots. I think in the UK it did something similar where it didn't chart and then it and then it did. Um, it went to the U- It went to number six in the UK. But not originally at all. But it went there twice in 1985 and 1988. So I'm not sure exactly what happened. I know there was the, the two words that I saw were re-release and a reissue. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what the difference is. I, I guess maybe a re-release would be sort of a, I don't know if that's like, like a record label, sort of a secondary push mm-hmm. to, to, to radio stations or whatever. I'm not exactly sure. I wonder if it got a jump too when Rebel Yell took off. It like- did. Yes, that's true. I think I think kind of everything kind of took a a retroactive jump after Rebel Yell took off. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it went to to uh, uh, number thirty six eventually in the U S. and number six in the U K. twice. Uh, went to number five in Canada, New Zealand, and then it was number four on the Billboard Top Tracks chart, which reflects airplay across all rock formats. So it was getting big airplay, um, but it wasn't quite in that top tier initially of the of the hot 100 although it did end up at number 36 um not a lot of real background to the song as far as the writing of it you know what i mean the story was basically billy idol being like yeah i wrote a song you know what i mean it's it's not like uh you know um he he uh he said himself on vh1 storytellers though that he did in fact at least to some degree uh write this song 
because of his actual sister. His sister was pregnant and she was getting married. Um, but he said that beyond that, the similarities with real life kind of stopped and sort of the magic of songwriting, you know, took over. He's like, you take an idea and then you embellish it. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and it's from your life maybe, or at least started there, but you make it more palatable for an interesting story, a good story, but it's still something you can, can deliver from the heart is basically what he said. Um, he said that part of the impetus for the song was that he thinks it's a shame that becoming pregnant out of wedlock changes the perception of like a woman's worth. And then it's unfair that something like a wedding that's supposed to be beautiful, you know, and should be celebrated becomes something dingy, yeah. like this idea of a shotgun wedding, you yeah. know? Um, and if you're, if you're unfamiliar with that term, I mean, people use that term, but I'm a big thing of like figuring out what it actually, you know, means. Yeah. So the implication is that like girl gets pregnant, dad forces the guy to marry her, you know, with a shotgun. With his shotgun. Yeah. He's like, you're, you know, you're going to marry my daughter, boy. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's a shotgun. What do what do British rednecks sound like? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like it'd be much more... Pol- I don't want to try to do an impression, because no, I'll I botch it. I can't so, even. Like, so. I feel like that's the thing I should know how to do, but... Are I- they extra proper? Like, <laughs> right. when we err on the side of yeah. grammatically incorrect, yeah. do they up it up a notch yeah. the other way? They're like, so, um, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to think through that. Maybe by the end of the episode, I can formulate... Phil, let us know <laughs> if you know anybody over there, or there anybody yeah. that yeah. has connections into the uk yeah absolutely british british redneck if you're if you're a listener in the uk just send us send us an audio message of uh, you saying something of, yeah you doing an impression of of what would be <laughs> the equivalent of a redneck in 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 like england uh, i would love to hear it um so anyway he does by the way he does imply that the protagonist of the story is yes infatuated to say the least with the sister in the song uh that it's you know the, the question is is it hey little sister? Is that literal or is that like you know name. hey my, this girl that I love? Hey right? shoddy. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the predecessor to shoddy. Um, yeah, but he said it is literal sister from the protagonist of the song, uh, which is not him. Right? He was yeah. not in love with his sister, no. but the protagonist yeah. of the song t- it takes it to this creepy place. Um, and so he's infatuated with his sister, and that she's marrying another guy. Uh, who she's become pregnant by to his dismay, and then he runs off. That's the starting again. He's he's jilted by um, this you know woman that he has affection for, and he's off. And then he laments, kind of in the third verse. There's nothing fair in this world. That's sort of a woe is me. Mm-hmm. I've lost my you know love, who happens to be my sister. <laughs> so um, that is kind of where the the Billy idleness of the song really comes in. You know what I mean? It's like uh, um, it's not it's not, it wasn't good enough for it to just be. A jilted love song. It was an incestuous jilted love song. That anyway. So, um, and that. So he was like, you know, it had it had to get kind of raw like that for <laughs> to, to be a Billy Idol song, you know. Um, so yeah, and I, I wanted to point out too because I did watch the the VH1 Storytellers episode, um, or at least the, the White Wedding part. Um, and uh, Steve Stevens, who had I think sort of recently come back into the fold with him, uh, who I'm sure we'll talk about here in a minute. Absolutely, um, he did a fantastic job on the um, on the storytellers thing because they the, basically the rest of the band left the stage at this point, and they did White Wedding just acoustic guitar and Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just play it to you because he's going, he's playing the bass line with his thumb, not the full bass line, not the ba da 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 mm-hmm. right? There would have been no way. But he's keeping a steady doom 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 and playing the riff and stuff over it. Wow. Uh, and so it's very cool. So one, I want one person doing this yeah. all at the same time. So I'm gonna play this for you. This is Steve Stevens, uh, and then uh, and then we'll probably meet the band. This
cool. He's actually... Oh, I'm watching it again. He's actually playing the bass line part with a pick, oh, and then he's picking the rest with his fingers. Wow. While he's holding two fingers with a pick, he's using the other three fingers to play that riff. So That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was really impressed by that. Good job, Steve. Yeah, good job, Steve Stevens. Which is a perfect segue. Why don't we go ahead and meet the rest of the band? Let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the I kind of feel like I should start with Steve Stevens. Sure. He wasn't number one on my order, but here we go. The guy's a guitar legend. Do you know he played the Top Gun theme? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that until uh, yeah. researching this, but yeah. yeah. Play a little of the Top Gun theme. Absolutely. So anytime we can do this, uh, it's always nice. So uh, this is Steve Stevens playing the Top Gun theme, which I imagine will have some sort of resurgence with a new Top Gun coming out. Absolutely. So they'll have to use this. They used it in the trailer as far as a, 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 remix. a, little, a little piano thing version uh-huh. of it. Bing, bing, bing. You know, yeah, here it is. This is not Take Me Home by Phil Collins. (laughs) I love the second pass with the harmonic. That's so good. Really? Yeah. So good. Anyway, that's y'all know it. Yeah. Y'all are all flying around right now with flight your, mode with your airplane arms wailing. <laughs> um, no overdubs on that song. Did you know that? On on that one. Oh, on the Top Gun anthem. Yeah, on the Top Gun anthem. Huh, nice job. Yeah. One shot, one kill. Uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Also played on the Michael Jaz- Jackson Bad album, okay. um, which is a no, that's a. Landmark. That's a good album. That's a good album. It's <laughs> Ironically, not a bad album. The uh, his guitar work on Billy Idol projects are really good. Yeah, really good. And I think he really helped define Billy Idol's sound. I've seen a. Uh, I saw Billy Idol at the Ryman with Steve Stevens, and it was awesome. And man, he's he's good live. He's an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Fantastic guitar player. Yeah, so. I think they were kind of a partnership. A lot of your great bands from that era, right? Have a, a lead Stick it singer, out lead guitar partnership your your bon jovi richie sambora you know your um david lee roth van halen you know kind of thing sammy hagar van halen gary sharon van halen i mean the list goes on and on you van halen <laughs> mitch mitch what's his name in van halen i don't know um steve missile on drums started as a drummer on stage for theater he was like a theater drummer hmm. he did ballets um which is weird for me to think of the drummer or Billy Idol in, well yeah so he's a singing drummer which helped him get gigs all over Chicago then he hooked up with Billy Idol in 82 classic driving drum sound pounding driving drummer then he went into folk music so he oh. did ballet Billy Idol folk wow so quite a portfolio there, there you go Steve good job good job uh, running the gamut on that um, Billy Idol, William Michael 
Albert Broad. How about that? We'll just go with Billy Idol. Yeah. Um, Irish descent from Middlesex. You think he actually signs? His, he has to sign autographs as Billy Idol. Right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I saw something in okay, the process cool. of research. I was thinking that. about that. Yeah. Um, got his name from Idol from a report card where his teacher said he was Idol, right. spelled I D L E. Right. He was an Idol student. Um, and, but Monty Python already had an Eric Idol, so he became Billy Idol. Yeah. Um, big in the London punk rock scene. Started as a guitar player in a punk band called Chelsea in 1976. Left and formed Generation X. Um, debuted his first album, White Wedding and Dancing With Myself video. Uh, went on to do Eyes Without a Face and Rebel Yell. I mean, this guy's a monster. Yeah. I have a theory, too, that I saw him at the, I think it's called the Observatory in Los Angeles. Uh, me and my now wife, then girlfriend, went up there, and there was a guy walking around jogging, and I am 97% sure it was Billy Idol. Really? So if I could go back in time and tell that guy, please go talk to that guy. Like, Because yeah. I normally, I'll talk to anybody, sure. but I was... I was dating my then girlfriend, and I was like, "I think that's Billy Idol. I really want to go go talk <laughs> to that guy." She's like, "Well, we we got stuff to do." So I missed my opportunity to meet Billy Idol, or it could have been like Willie Bidel. I don't know. It might not have been <laughs> a Billy Idol impersonator. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? It could have been him. But what's your? This is just random off the top of your head. If you can think of this, sure. I, I can tell you mine. What's your biggest missed opportunity like that? Oh man, do you have you one? Tell me I'll yours tell- while I think of mine. Okay, so mine is actually. My my wife uh, and her sister, uh, we actually went to England uh, for a week or so um, to um, to hang out, um, and we were walking around um, um, uh, Oxford. We were, okay. we were walking around Oxford, and I, I'm fa- I'm famous to my wife for always being like, "Hey, there's Bill Cosby." You know uh-huh. what I mean? And it's just a guy that looks like Bill Cosby. Yeah. And I'm trying to be funny. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Um, and so so all of a sudden I go. That's President Clinton. Uh-huh. And she's like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, no, literally, we were across the street from President Bill Clinton. Yeah. Who was visiting Chelsea, <laughs> who was in school at Oxford at That's the time. That's awesome. And there's nobody else around. Uh-huh. And, and President Clinton, I can't remember if, if Hillary was with him or not, but for sure him, secure, you know, uh, um, almost said social security. Social security. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, secret, Handing out checks. Yeah. Secret service, you know, uh-huh. getting, in the, getting in the black SUV. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And. And I don't know why I didn't yell out, we're Americans! Hey, President yeah, Clinton! Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, He'd have this, been happy to see you. This was probably 2003, okay. something like that. Um, and so, you know, he was fairly recently out of office. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know why I didn't say... I mean, what are the odds that you're going to run into the president of the United States? In he was... Uh, honestly, I mean, he was, he was literally across the street from us, perpendicular. Yeah. And, and I didn't say anything. I, okay. I've got mine. Same trip coming back from California. Okay. I'm getting on the airplane. I might have told this before. And they're like, we're lining up to get on an airplane to fly back to Tennessee from California. And they push us off to the side because they have to escort someone past oh, to get on the plane. I was like, so I turn around yeah. and it's Carrie Underwood. Oh, So I get my moment with Carrie Underwood and she walks right past me and stops before she goes in. And I said, I have that same sweatshirt. <laughs> Which I did, and she said, "Okay," and that was it. I was like, "That's nice," oh, or something. I had my moment, and I said, "I have that same sweatshirt." So then, 
I get so I'm choked there. So, but then I'm gonna walk past her because yeah. you know she's gonna be she's, sit, on, the, yeah. she's on first class sure. one, you yeah. know, whatever in the corner looking out the window. Right. So, try not to be bothered. Try not to be bothered right. by the kid that has the same sweatshirt. So <laughs> I, I I froze like I didn't disrupt her. I let yeah. her enjoy. But I had sure. my moment with Carrie Underwood. And you went. Who is I on my freebie same. list? And I <laughs> and I, I I choked. So yeah. So that was it. Same yeah. trip from California. <laughs> same sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. You really blew on that trip, man. I, I did. I kind of kind of choked. Yeah, do over. That's right. But it was a fun trip. Yeah, it's a good fun trip. Um, and on base, hey now, and we're gonna let him do some talking now. Yeah. Um, on base, Phil fight awesome bass line in White Wedding. Um, so when we were talking about what song we were gonna do, I was like, man, it would be great if we could talk to the bass player. Yeah. And so thankful to Phil for spending some time with us. You guys are gonna love this guy. He is awesome. Um, and we'll let him tell you some really good stories. Um, yeah. so he can t- kind of take it from here for a little bit, and then we'll uh, circle back at the end and and say farewells to you guys and touch on a couple other things. But Phil fight. Take it away. Yeah. Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with a very special guest. We are here with Phil Fight, bassist for uh, Billy Idol for the song White Wedding and the album tours and, and the whole business. Uh, we're super excited to talk to him because let's let's admit it. We all want to know what life with Billy Idol in the 80s was like. <laughs> so, uh, so, Phil, thank you so much for being with us today. We certainly appreciate it, man. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you guys and share some stories and some history with you. We cannot wait. Um, let's just kind of, let's just kind of start at the beginning. I know, um, you, you had some stories about just your, your auditioning and how you started out with Billy Idol. Tell us a little bit about how, how all that came about. Okay. In throughout the seventies, I had been playing around the New York music scene with several different bands, one being Riot, one being Revolver and the band Revolver that I was in the drummer, Steve Missile, um, had his own rehearsal recording studio in the music building. And I, I got the audition with Billy through through Steve Missile, who talked to Steve Stevens, and Steve Stevens knew me because he was in a band called the Fine Malibus that also played around the New York club scene. So we didn't know each other directly, but we knew of each other. So when my name came up to that to, to Bill Coin and to Steve Stevens, it was an automatic. Let's have him come in. So my audition was at the Music Building on Thirty Eighth Street. So I was a I was the last of 75 bass players that they had seen. 75? 75 cow. players, yeah. Wow. 75 players they went through. So I was the last of the Mohegans that came on board. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, yeah. So what happened was um, uh, we just initially got together. We kind of knew each other. I knew Steve, of course, Steve Missile, Steve Stevens and Steve Missile. And so it was a very impromptu kind of just jam. We did L.A. Woman, and we just talked about music that we liked. We discussed uh, our favorite bands and you know time periods and we played and we played i knew that the audition was going well because it wasn't like okay well thank you because i've been on both ends of the spectrum i've auditioned uh people to be in a band i've also been auditioned so i knew it was going well because they had kept me there long story short so it was going on for quite some time and uh i had gotten the call from bill coin the next day and he was they were very satisfied and if you want it it's yours next thing uh that sort of transpires as we go straight into uh, a pre-production writing period, which was also took place in the music building on 38th street, which in Steve Missile's rehearsal recording studio. So we started working on material for the first record and we, uh, we had hole in the wall. We had a shooting star. We had a dead on arrival and a lot of it was sketchy, you know, sketch uh, pad kind of ideas, but 
Steve and Billy and myself, and mostly Steve and Billy, put it all together. So that's how the audition came about. And, uh, and then, it went, like I said, we went into the pre-production for the record. That's a good uh, lesson for those that are out there. They have to like you, like the stuff that you talked <laughs> about after your auditions, like uh, the favorite bands and the time period. Like that's an important part of those. That it's are an out important there. part because it's part of. Well, Billy wanted to have a band at that time. So initially, what he was asking or saying is he wanted people of the same mindset or the same interests that he had, or that the guys have. And I was right up in the same category, you know, with Billy. I mean, like in a lot of the British stuff that came out. And yeah, what were some of those Gen- favorite bands that you liked? That you, you remember who oh. you mentioned or any of that? Yeah, well, I was a big T-Rex fan. I was a big Mappa Hoople fan. I liked Slade. I like a lot of the 70s stuff that came out of London. Outstanding. So, yeah, and of course, we liked the New York Dolls. And we liked Lou Reed, and we loved Iggy, you yeah. know. And so Billy and I had a camaraderie immediately. Outstanding. So you get the gig with Billy, and then you 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 go kind of straight into the studio at that point, or do you go into rehearsals, or do you or you no, start touring straight. first? No, no, no. I get the gig, and so then we go straight into what I call pre-production for the first record, because okay. the first record, that record was was scheduled to be made at a particular time. So we went straight into ideas, which were mostly Steve's and Billy's ideas. And so I was, me and Steve Missile were basically there to help develop or add parts or just be part of the production. So that was going on for a couple of weeks uh, at, at the musical. It's really writing the record. Now, White Wedding has such a prominent bass part. Do you remember, did yeah. you did you write that or was that something that you tweaked? No, in all, fairness, to, in all fairness and in all truthfulness, the, the, that White Wedding was not written in Manhattan. Okay. That was not part of the uh, um, the song list or part of the, the song that's what would be included. But that basically how that came to be is, we had been working on some backing tracks and myself and Steve Stevens and Steve went back to the hotel and Billy stayed in the studio. And in all fairness and truthfulness, he came up with that. He came up with that riff. Wow. That baseline. Yeah. And he came up with pretty much all of that and how that was introduced to me and to Steve is like, we were staying at the sunset marquee in LA and this was like one o'clock in the morning. I hear this pounding on my door. Well, not pounding, but you know, um, everything feels like pounding at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, Billy came in with his Epiphone guitar and he said, I just got a, I got this great idea and this, we're going to go in the morning and we're going to record. And he was just going, he was so elated about the idea and the feeling and the vibe. So then he went to Steve Stevens' room that same night, and I guess they put more things together. Long story short, eleven o'clock in the morning, twelve before noon, we did that. We did that in like almost two or three takes. That's oh, wow. how magical it was. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, was this- so magical. It was like as if we've we've played this before. But anyway, so that's how that kind of came about. It was that that song was written by Billy. And of course, Steve embellished a, a lot of that, you know, because that's what he does, and uh, and that's how that came to be. That was cut really quick. That did you guys really? You said it, you did it in just a couple of takes. Does that mean a couple of takes? Are you guys yeah. all in a in a big room recording the the basic tracks together? Yes. In fact, what we would use, what we would do is we would go in as it was a live gig, and we would, you know, we would play, and, and Billy would uh, do like a what we call a. Let's call it a dummy vocal, okay? okay. And it was a guide vocal. Let's uh-huh. call it that. So he would have a guide vocal, and we would just play the track. And of course, some of the lyrics might get changed at that point. But he had the melody in the guide vocal. Sure. So yeah, it was cut quick. Okay. Do, you, do you remember what kind of gear you played on? What do you remember that back? Yeah, yeah. I have a white nineteen sixty four uh, cream colored jazz yeah. bass, which everybody now has yeah. coined the name the White Wedding bass. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, we, yeah, we. So seen. It, was a, it was a vintage, a vintage old bass that really 
sounds great on that track. Yeah, I saw I saw a picture too. You playing live with him playing the J, that I guess it's probably that same J bass that that I've seen. So that that yes further confirms yeah. so then, that, and, that is and, true. And, yeah, and then they ran the bass direct, and they also through I believe it was we, I had an SVT in the studio. Okay, okay, very cool. Is that a bass you still have, or is it a Hard Rock Cafe somewhere? Or no, no, I still have it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I still have that baby. Sure, that's cool. Um, sure. Now, uh, in 99, you played on the studio version of Rebel Yell when they redid it, right? Because we weren't on the original. Is that right? And you played on the remix. Am I correct on that? Uh, actually, the, what, uh, the, the truth of the matter is I had gone into uh, pre-production for Rebel Yell. We had gone into Electric Lady for Rebel Yell. Mm-hmm. Um, I had had an injury, a really bad oh, no. foot in- injury, um, and I was on crutches and um, – <clears throat> The tracks were cut. The demos were cut. Uh, there was some stuff that wasn't included on that record, like Motorbiking, which is a Chris Bedding song. There was a couple of things that were like were not included. But nevertheless, I went into the studio. We did the, the demos for Rebel Yell, but I didn't wind up on the final on the album because um, we just, you know, it was just I had gotten an offer for Joan Jett, and it just there was a lapse of time in between. My, sure, my, I had a I had a cast on. It was <laughs> so yeah. So no, I didn't wind up playing a Rebel Yell, but I did uh, the demos for it. Okay, cool. Gotcha. This the, the, that conversation actually story makes me think of the current uh, the current tension with Aerosmith and Joey Kramer. I don't know if you've kept up with any of that or not. Have you? Yeah, have, he's he he didn't do the Grammys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you have any particular thoughts on that? This is the, a weird tangent, but but uh, just as somebody who's in the business, if you were Joey Kramer and you'd been in Aerosmith for God knows how many years at this point, and all of a sudden they say you need to re-audition because of an injury. Uh, what, you know, what, just, do you have any thoughts on that in general as a guy in the business? Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the boys in Aerosmith, I know Steven, I've met Joe, I've met, uh, because I used to work for Libra Krebs with another act. So I've always would run into Steven and Joe. Um, they love each other. They're brothers. I just, maybe, I think right now, uh, Joey's probably having a little bit of a difficult time, uh, with his injury and uh, they just, you know, the show had to go on. I, Sometimes you have to take a back seat. I don't mm-hmm. think they did that maliciously at all. No, that's well phrased. Yeah, you, you phrased that very uh, yes. well, very diplomatically. That was well. awesome. Yeah. That was, that was really- <laughs> yeah, no, because I know those guys. They're not they're good guys. Joe Joe Perry's a great guy. That yeah. that makes you feel good when people like us that want those guys to be good guys because right. we're Aerosmith fans. You know, we love everything that you just said, and that further makes us like them more. So, thank you for for saying yeah, that. For oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I I've, I've worked with Jimmy Crespo who was in Aerosmith for a while. Uh, um, but the, the guys are great. They're, they're great guys. So Now, didn't you do some stuff with Paul Schaefer too? Uh, yes, that was in the later 70s. Yeah. Uh, the drummer, Greg Gerson, who I had been in several bands with, and he actually he was the drummer who came aboard later on in Billy Idol's band after Steve Missile had some other things he was involved in. Um, so Greg Gerson... Uh, extremely talented drummer, multi-instrument player, what have you. He got me the gig because he knew Paul Schaefer and they call and John McCurry, who was Cindy Lauper's guitar player. So Greg had phoned me and said, "Listen, do you want to do this jingle? Uh, it's it's an easy run. Let's just go in and cut it." And I said, "Who's involved?" And he told me, "I was like, I'm in. Let's go." So that was cut. <laughs> That was cut like also so quick, and Paul Schaefer was so accommodating. He was wonderful to work with. That's awesome. Are you a, are you a native New Yorker your whole life? Yes, I okay. was born in Manhattan. I was raised on the Lower East Side, and then uh, I, as a young adult, I lived on the Upper West Side. 
okay. for many, many, many years. Now, being a so New Yorker, I'm a native New Yorker. Yeah. Do you have a favorite sports team? Are you a sports guy? Anybody you follow? Um, you know, I, I'm gonna say. No, I'm not a sports fan, so okay. I, I'm 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 anything that's New York. Okay, okay, <laughs> anything New York. How about that? That's yeah. perfect. That's great. That's that's I'm pro New York. From New York, I support New York teams. All right. Uh, so after the after the album comes out, uh, you guys hit the road for what I imagine is a pretty extensive uh, uh, touring schedule. Uh, what's what's life on the road with Billy Idol like in the '80s? Fantastic. That's Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you why because he's extremely intelligent he's, he's extremely funny he's he's extremely uh, just a character he's got so many stories he's he's a he's such a, a natural vibe he's the real deal mm. it's the same thing when i work with joan jett it's the same thing it's like they are what they are anyway the life on the road with billy was amazing especially touring on a bus with him <laughs> okay all right. You got any particular stories you'd like to share? A, a great road story? Well, I can tell you. Yeah, I can. We one night, uh, it's like four o'clock in the morning, we were on the tour bus. Everybody was in their bunk sleeping, and Billy was always up front in the front cabin watching Rollerball. That was just one of his favorite movies. So I, you know, he would be in his full gear, and I, I came out of my bunk and I sat with him, and I see him scribbling like these lyrics, and while he's watching the movie, and like we're driving in the middle of nowhere, and the driver, I don't remember his name, but he drove. Uh, Elvis Presley's backup band. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So that's anyway. So Billy had been writing. Um, I'm on a bus on a psychedelic trip, reading mur- murder books, trying to be hip. <laughs> okay. So that's where that came from. He was sitting in the front of the bus writing those lyrics, and I kind of peered over and I go, "What is that? That's great." <laughs> Think of the view when you're out there, say your prayers. So we're in the middle of nowhere, and this lyric came out. Wow. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. That's great. So that's a great and he's and he's, he's watching rollerball like he's right. He's, he's, and he's, he's watching he's, rollerball for the umpteen thousand times. That's awesome. That's so cool. You know, sometimes it's just about uh, getting the right thing in the background that you can that makes you feel comfortable, but you can kind of ignore really helps me to get some work done. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So that's that's like one key uh, amazing little moment in, in the history. It's just it's just uh, a him coming to the hotel room and. So excited about White Wedding and the riff and the chords that he had come put together. And then, of course, the lyrical part, which he wrote, uh, I'm on a bus on a psychedelic trip. That That's was great. So cool. Because we were on a psychedelic trip in some crazy way. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so I ask this to everybody we interview or have on. Um, you're on the road. You go into a gas station. And you. what is your snack food of choice? Do you get – My a, snack food of choice. Ooh. Do you get like a bag of chips? you get a candy bar? you get a certain drink? Well, first of all, I have to have security with me for a skinny little guy walking in the Midwest <laughs> in leather pants and makeup on. <laughs> So I'd get my security and then I'd get <laughs> You'd probably... have them go in and get you something, right? No, I went in I went in with them just to stir up the, everybody in the store. Like <laughs> yeah. So so I potato chips. Okay. Okay. Just... You got a particular brand or just wherever you are, the the um particular brand, God Lays. There Lays. we go. Okay. Just old fashioned. Classic. That's good. I always get a three musketeer bar. Um, cause when I was growing up, my mom would say you could pick any candy bar you want and that's the most candy bar ounces wise for the money. So that's what I would get. So, ah, uh, okay. Educational 
gas station All right. knowledge. JP's led by practicality and math, not his actual <laughs> Well, when you're taste on the buds. road, you have to live by practicality. Right. I collected not only a lot of food, but a lot of sunglasses. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Excellent. JP's a big sunglass collector I have quite as well, the actually. collection of sunglasses, too. Mine are mainly just free ones you get at, like, festivals and dollar stores and right. gas stations. Work events. Yeah, work gas events. Gas stations so, in the middle of America have the best sunglasses, that's dudes. Well said. Well said, <laughs> Phil. I knew we were kindred spirits. That's awesome. Outstanding. You mentioned a little bit about uh, about some of your some of your musical influences, uh, T Rex, Mata Hoople, uh, et cetera, New York Dolls. Uh, you got any other like, particular bass players uh, or, oh, or just players yeah. of note that that's, you want to talk about? Oh, sure, definitely. Uh, well, not only did I like the the bands on the New York scene, which we already mentioned, but I was a big fan of sixties music as well. I grew up on as Steve Stevens and Steve Missile and the rest of the wonderful guys. We grew up on like Cream and we grew up on uh, um, Uriah Heep and we grew up on all kinds of great stuff from seventies hard rock, progressive. Uh, for me, I liked a lot. I liked a lot of the sixties stuff. You know, Creedence Clearwater. Sure. So that was yeah, that was a big influence too. Outstanding. Um, another question we like to ask folks is just advice for musicians who are trying to, 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 to figure out what they can do to make themselves the most attractive possible. You know, if they're, if they're auditioning for a band uh, or if they're, you know, trying to get a gig, um, as far as, do you have any advice for them on, on work ethic preparation, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Don't go in it. Even if you're a guitar player or a bass player or whomever, as a solo artist, you know, play for the song. It's Mm -hmm. an, it's an ensemble. It's a band. You have to, lay back and be part of the rhythm section or let everybody have this space. And that's, so uh, that's, uh, it's, it's a camaraderie. So I say um, to those who are young, you know, uh, play, play for the song. Don't play for yourself. That's good. That's uh, especially somebody like you have really good chops, but you don't have to use them all the time. That's really good. That's and that's Steve Stevens because I, because Steve, I would, I would room with him and his musical vocabulary is staggering is staggering but he also knows how to play one chord for four hours if need be <laughs> right yeah that's good and yeah. make that work so he's extremely disciplined and he knows how to play for the song yeah that's great even his even his you know the little uh the little riffs in white wedding the dung 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 you know he could have Which easily a, a done scale, much more basically yeah, yeah right it's just a little arpeggio but it's so tasteful and it works it's memorable it helps the song get across and i think you can Absolutely. hear i think you can even hear that in you as a like the riot stuff's great. I have Rock City. That was, you know, and you know, Desperation's probably the big hit that everybody know off that. But I really thank li- you. Yes, I really liked Angel because I like the driving rock sound. But even like you as a musician, maybe got where you were played smarter. I feel like on the stuff later on. Do you feel like you you transitioned by playing with those guys? Oh, absolutely. Every every step of the way. I remember, I was sixteen or seventeen when I put Riot together because I had been friends with Mark Real since we were babies. And basically, it was a three-piece band. I put that band together with Mark and Peter, and then I got Guy Speranza into the band. So that's another story. But yes, in terms of growing, every step of the way, I made lateral moves to improve. Like Riot, I brought into Manhattan. So when I was in Manhattan playing Max's with them or Club 82, I was also looking at other things that were going on. So I always need to make moves to get to a better place. And that's when I got into Revolver, which was a great ensemble of musicians who were very well connected with people in Manhattan, like uh, Bill Coyne or Libra Krebs. And then from that, of course, I got the Billy Idol gig. That's awesome. That's outstanding. And one thing always, always, it, it always moved up the ladder of, you know, yeah, so it always worked out that way. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you for a Joan Jett story, uh, playing with playing with Joan Jett and, you know, such an icon in her own, you know, in her own right. Uh, and uh, in that same sort of, 
you know, rebel rock, um, you know, thing. And of course she's still out there doing it. She played WrestleMania last year. <laughs> she's um, great. So, like she's, I would love to hear a little bit about Joan Jett. Okay. Very quickly. Uh, so, um, I had been in between gigs and Tommy Price, who I knew, I knew forever. And he's a great drummer. And I love him. Um, he, I remember just like it was yesterday, it was a Sunday evening. He called me up and he said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Oh, well, right now I'm in between work. He goes, uh, Joan needs a bass player because Chasm Sultan, who did the, had been with her for many years, what had happened was they did the first leg of the tour. When the tour took that break after the first leg, Chasm went to audition for Hall & Oates. He got the gig. He jumped ship before they were to continue the second leg. That was wow. off the hit list tour. Um, and so I said, sure, I, I would love to. So that next morning, which was a Monday morning, a messenger came. Messengers, yes, messengers back in the day. <laughs> I just brought over all these cassettes, yes, cassettes, and <laughs> notes and what have you in the show. And I basically had to learn a two-and-a-half-hour sh- uh, show, and I had learned quite a few of the songs because they, like, they were easy because I recognized them from the radio. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so that Wednesday, I went in and I auditioned for her, and it was she was great. She was very, very, very down-to-earth. It was almost like when I auditioned for Billy. It was just like a really fun and of course, I knew Ricky Bird and Tommy Price. It was another two more allies. Anyway, long story short, with that, that evening Kenny Laguna said, "Joan likes you. If you want it, it's yours." So nice. I, I was like, "Humming, humming, humming." Yeah, right. <laughs> extremely excited because I didn't awesome. think it would happen that fast. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's another lesson for those out there on connections. You name dropped somebody that you kind of brushed past, but I got to harp on a minute. Tommy Price, guy played for Scandal. He did Warrior. It's like one of my favorite songs ever. Yes. So Connections, that's another bit of information. Yeah. That it's networking. a huge, yeah. Networking. I mean, because not only did we know each other from the a coin co- uh, uh, personnel or just the bands, and but from the music scene, and also um, I had just gone and see him play with so many other local uh, th- pickup gigs. That's and awesome. And we, we actually, we had a little pickup gig that we put together as well for, you know, a month or so to do local gigs. So that's, that's how I know Tommy. He's a great drummer and he's great in the studio to track with. He is unbelievable to work with. Yeah, he's played with all kinds of people. And for those of you guys that are trying to look him up now, he spells his name with an H. It's the weirdest Tommy. It's a T-H-O-M-M-Y if I'm not mistaken on that. That's true, yeah. It's a little random fact on Tommy Price. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's okay. <laughs> uh, Phil, what do you got going on these days? You got anything people need to know about? Where can they find you if you're on a social media, website? What kind of projects are you I'm on, on right LinkedIn. Now? I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on um, uh, Instagram. Okay. Um, and what I'm working on now is I'm, I'm producing a band called Crush of Empires. Okay. okay. And we are right now in the pre-production stage. In other words, writing, working on, collecting uh this will be their one maybe third i think it's the third cd that they put out they're really good it's a real good hard rock band great bass player great guitar player great just great great it's like the cure meets some kind of like heavy rock symphony it's okay. amazing. Oh, cool. oh, man. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll definitely check them out. Yeah, that's outstanding. And you're doing the, you're producing that. That's what you're I'm doing. I'm going to be producing that. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Outstanding. Well, everybody go check out Crush of M- Crush of Empires, right? With an S. Crush of Empires. Okay, Empire. Crush of Empires, yeah. Uh and I assume they're probably on social media as well. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. check out Great Crush guys. of Empires. Great. Um, Phil, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Man, this we was we great. really appreciate thank it. You, this Phil. is Yeah, just been outstanding. My, my pleasure.
My pleasure. Everybody check out Phil Fight. He's on Instagram. Uh, and uh, check out his work with Crush of, Crush on, Crush of Empires. Uh, he's also on LinkedIn if you're a LinkedIn guy. Uh, I need to be more active on LinkedIn, I think. I think for the networking end of things, I need to get myself on LinkedIn. So uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Phil Fight. You're nasty, quite welcome. And he played a nasty bass riff on White Wedding. Yes, which he we've been did. About. So thank Indeed. you so much for that, Phil. Delivered a great it. riff Well, it was that. great. It was great speaking with both of you. I really enjoyed this. Thank Absolutely. You so much for your Thank time. you so much. All the best. Podcast. That was Phil Fight. Man, that was a lot of fun. Bassist for Billy Idol. That was so cool. I, I, I always imagine, like, you know, I asked him, like, what's life like with Billy Idol? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the picture he painted was a little bit more chill than I expected. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like, uh, I heard, a, <laughs> I, heard a, I remember when I was like a teenager and Van Halen was on uh, the Jon Stewart show. Yeah. Not the Daily Show, but Jon Stewart had a show on MTV at the time called the Jon Stewart uh-huh. Show. <clears throat> and Van Halen was on there. And he was talking about he went back to their dressing room to, like, you know, just say hi and whatever. And he was expecting just, like, total debauchery Chaos, and whatever. Yeah. And he said, literally, he, he opens the door and Eddie Van Halen's making origami. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's like, this is not what I expected yeah. at all. And Eddie's like, I made a goose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of, it's like, like that. Yeah, but- I expected to be sleepy, like, just from lack of sleep when he was telling all of the, like, I expected him to tell, like, we were up. You know, getting three hours of sleep and just all this chaos. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. It was. I just expected, and I'm sure there were. I'm sure there were moments. I feel like a couple of the guys that we've talked to uh, have sort of sanitized the stories a little Uh bit for us, for our listeners. uh, We are a family friendly show. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, life, life with Billy Idol, man. Thanks so much, Phil, for for coming on and being part of the show. Um, Man, I can't believe like we've started getting more interviews and 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 people who are. Um, you know, really special to a lot of people are starting to come on the show. Uh, not, I mean, least of all, I mean, us. Yes. You know what I'm we, saying? Like, we reach out to the people that we like. Yeah. And it's really neat when people that other people like right. as well yeah, totally. express like, interest. We're, but we're, we're just schmoes, and we get to talk to all these awesome people. It's yeah. just really cool. So thanks to everybody who's listening and, and making it possible, you know, for Absolutely. us to make these connections. If you'd have told 2016, JP, hey, you're going to get to, you know, talk to these people, I'd be like, right. that sounds wonderful. Yeah. How do I pull that off? Yeah, Exactly. And here what, we are. What do I have to pay? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? like, yeah, what's what con- it going to cost? Yeah, That's what, good. What festival do I have to go to to connect <laughs> all these people? You know, that kind of thing. How um, many organs do I have to donate? Yeah, totally. But here we go. So this is great. Um, I want, want to hit another, just a couple things on the song and the video before we, uh, before we call it a day today. Um, I was, you know, listening to the, first of all, I do think it's funny. We kind of talked about this, I think, bef- before we actually started recording, that it's funny that the, the guitar line to this, like, punk, you know, I, I don't know if you call this it's not pop punk, but it kind of is. It's kind of the early '80s version of pop punk, um, you know. But um, it's uh, palata- palatable punk. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit polite, you know what I mean? As far as it's not, it's not, it's not the Sex Pistols whose goal is to offend you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's he's the punk next door, and <laughs> um, but we think it's funny that like the riff for this is clean. Right, mm-hmm. bing, 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 yeah. bing, 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 and it's a riff that you don't go. That's rock and roll. Yeah, if you heard it, and it's it not abrasive. Yeah, it's uh-uh. it's, it's like it's kind of it's the kind of arpeggio, and arpeggio is just a chord that you just play each note individually, mm-hmm. um, and it is the kind of thing that you you feel like you've heard in a song from the fifties. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's not. It doesn't sound like. 80s rock uh-huh. you know what i mean and kid you not steve stevens can shred but in this right. case he's like i'm gonna go polite yeah it's gonna be pretty yeah exactly <laughs> so i think that's cool um the the lyrics on this are really good especially given the context of the story um you know i think they're really solid as far as first of all 
the phrase, hey, little sister shotgun, that tells the entire story. Yeah. Literally, uh-huh. it tells the whole story. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? In that four-word phrase, which uh-huh. I think is amazing. Yeah. Anytime you can boil something down, you know, like uh-huh. that, it's just yeah. so, so cool. Um, you could, you could... You could use that as a as a writing prompt, right? Mm-hmm. I could say, "All right, here's your writing prompt from the day. Write me a short story based on this phrase: Hey, little sister, shotgun." Mm-hmm. And you would write basically this story. Yeah, everybody's you know gonna I mean? have a similar story. Yeah. for the most part, uh, which I think is so cool. Um, but you know, some of the some of the lyrics, it's 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 a little bit um, it's a little bit edgier than like every breath you take. You know what I'm saying? It's a little more aggressive than that, but it's not so much so, obviously, that it puts people off because mm-hmm. people love this song. People play the song at their weddings, which doesn't really make any sense, <laughs> but like, <laughs> just become one of those one yeah. of those things. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, who, who like, hey, little sister, who's your Superman? That's just such a. It's a. It's got enough creep factor to be interesting mm-hmm. uh, and to keep you engaged with the song. But it doesn't go past PG thirteen. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It, yeah. it's... and then add to that the video. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a big yeah. part of the song's lore is the video. Uh, it was directed by David Mallet. It became an instantly iconic video. Billy Idol unwrapping himself with these, uh, you know, sort of shrouded uh, cloths uh, and being part of this sort of. <clears throat> being part of this sort of odd, dark goth, goth wedding, yeah. um, that you know the whole the whole thing is a little uncomfortable. Uh, and there's actually a scene where he's placing a, a barbed wire wedding ring on the bride's finger. She's being walked down the aisle, and he he kind of grabs her and pulls her to the side and put, puts this barbed wire um, ring on her finger. And the actress, who was actually Billy's girlfriend at the time, um, she insisted that they do it for real, that it not be special effects. Mm-hmm. She said, "Put an actual barbed wire and make it cut me." Yeah. So that it looks authentic and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I understand that that's that's how that went down. There was also some cuts made for its original run on MTV. If you go on YouTube now, it's um, it's sort of the the director's cut um, version that has that scene with the blood in it, and it has there's a scene shot kind of shot from above where they're standing at the altar, and the crowd is doing like a. Um, a crowd, it it kind of comes off like a Nazi salute, and that's not what they intended. But they're the whole crowd is kind of doing arms toward the couple. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Arms in the air, and it was just supposed to be like a, um, you know, another brick in the wall kind of, mm-hmm. you know, imagery crowd thing. Um, but it it came off as like a Nazi salute, okay. so they cut it from the video on MTV. It, but Probably smart. Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you don't want that, you especially want if it's not what you intended. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they were like, no, screw you. It's supposed to be a Nazi salute. Then that's one thing. But they were like, no, no, no. That's not what we meant. And it just looked different than we intended for it yeah. to after it came back. Good catch. So, yeah, good catch. Um, and the video itself was uh, parodied by Weird Al Yankovic. Um, <laughs> Rob's not, favorite. Not not the song, but I have to mention that the video was parodied in the in the video for his song, UHF, which was the title track to his 1989 movie, uh, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, big, big surprise, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but uh, in the in that video, he appears wrapped up like Billy Idol in in the opening scene of White Wedding, and uh, he also parodies like a ton of other artists in the in the video: Guns and Roses, Prince, George Michael, uh, Robert Palmer, Peter Gabriel, Talking Heads. Like it's a real who's who of eighties yeah. video references. I think he even gets the Beatles in there at one point. Um, so it's you know it's really it's really funny. Of course, that's cause, awesome because it's always funny. Um, that's about all I got, really. Great day today, like, guys. Thanks cool song, cool interview, yeah. cool new friend, Phil Fight. Thanks for joining <laughs> Wash us. Wash your hands. 
Man, cool. yeah. Everybody wash your hands. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, you guys. We'll be back next week with an amazing song. Be sure to join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash greatsongpod. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at greatsongpod. And uh, check out the uh, merchandise store at greatsongpodcast.com. Get yourself a T-shirt. Support the show if you would like to do such. And check out all the archives there as well. Until next week, we'll see you again. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.